Welcome to the Anxiety at Work podcast. I am Chester L, and this is my co-author and dear friend, Adrian Gostick. We hope that the time you're going to spend with us is going to help remove the stigma of anxiety and mental health in the workplace and your personal life. And we invite experts from the world of work and life, and we want to give you ideas and most importantly, tools to deal with anxiety in your world. Our guest today is our friend Pam Christian, a motivational speaker, mindset coach, and host of the Juice Podcast. A former top 100 real estate professional, Pam now helps her clients transform their lives by eliminating self-created barriers, maximizing their full potential, and increasing their effectiveness. Her mission is to help heal humanity by inspiring and motivating others to live their best lives. Welcome to the show, Pam. We're delighted to have you on our podcast. Well, welcome, Pam, and, th- and thanks for talking with us today. You know, you write such a wonderful blog on your on your website, and you've been very open about your journey with anxiety and overcoming some, some pretty big trauma early in your life. So could you maybe walk our listeners through your story and what you learned about anxiety and yourself that others maybe can learn from your experience? Sure. I mean... Growing up, we didn't use the term anxiety to describe what I was dealing with. It was more just um, behavioral issues, so to speak. And so I did go through um, not just trauma at a young age, but adversity throughout my life on and off. And it was really about how I uh, dealt with that adversity. And from a young age, I did not deal with it well because I didn't have the tools, the resources, or the skill set, or the awareness to be able to. So instead, I uh, started um, focusing on uh, self-sabotaging behaviors as well as hurting other people because obviously we are a mirror of ourselves out into the world. And what we put out in the world is just like a direct reflection of what we're feeling inside of ourselves. So whether it was sucking my thumb for a very long time, biting my nails till they bled, kind of like whether it was like being mean to people, being mean to myself, constantly getting in trouble for just acting out and doing things. That was how the anxiety kind of manifested itself in my life. And again, we didn't have that word. And it was more like, oh, they're the behavioral issues. They're the troubled child. And I had supportive parents who tried to figure it out. But at that time, there was really not not, not much to figure out because you didn't talk about your issues. You didn't talk about your problems and stuff like that. So I had to go on a journey deep within myself that I wasn't even aware that I was going on at a young age. And I remember um, the first time I, we had recently moved to Manhattan and it was the first time I skipped school. And I think I was in fifth grade. It might've been sixth. And who skips school and goes to the New York Public Library? I did. Um, Such a random thing to do. But I picked up a book there. And it was called uh, Awaken the Giant Within by a man named Tony Robbins. I had no idea what I was picking up. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. But I picked it up. And what I read actually did not resonate. I left there, went and got some like random bag of chips and kind of just like was walking around aimlessly in the city. But what I read there opened up um, space for when I would be ready for those messages for me to receive them and then launch from there. So that was the beginning. You know, you know, it's interesting, Pam. We, we deal with anxiety in the workplace 
But you just said something I thought was really interesting that your anxiety manifested itself by you being mean to yourself and mean to other people. That's that's really interesting. And so how did you how did you figure that part out that that was part of your anxiety? Well, I don't think it, I think that was like um, a symptom of my anxiety. So it was my anxiety was because of stuff that I had gone through and was going through kind of stuff in my home um, life and stuff like that. And the way I um, kind of, uh, what's the word? how we show up is in different ways. That's how I showed up, but it was my nervousness and how I felt about myself. That was the anxiety. And then some people might be completely go inwards and never leave their house. Other people may become like bookworms and their anxiety is always about getting that A. Other people may take it out on others. That's how I kind of dealt with it. Yeah. Well, you know, as a coach, I mean, you coach people who live with anxiety today. And so what are some of the things that bosses or team members might note about how anxiety is affecting somebody close to their team or themselves? How do you coach people up on that? I mean, I think the leaders need to know that most people suffer from anxiety. And the first thing is being aware of it, noticing it, so then you can show up for the person. Obviously, as a leader, um, you want to call it a boss, whatever you want to direct report, whatever you want to call it. Um, We have to be realistic about the people who are working with us and for us. And so we want to um, kind of work off of their strengths but acknowledge their limitations or the areas of weakness or the areas they need to work on. So when you're giving a deliverable, it's the way in which you give it. So for someone who has serious anxiety, it's not the deliver. This is due on whatever day and get it to me. It's like, I know there's a lot here. I think you'll be able to get it done. If you have any issues, give me a call. I'm here for you. Don't feel stressed. If you can't get it done, um, just give me a call and keep the communication open. It's all about the way we dialogue with each other, communicate words matter and thoughts are things. So if those are the words that the boss or the leader is putting out there, that's what's going to be internalized inside of the person with the anxiety. If it's, you couldn't get this done, I can't believe you, you're never going to get this again, that's what the person is going to start bringing into themselves. It's so true. I've noticed that too, as as we have, you know, people who are more open with their anxiety, you're exactly right, Pam, that the way you present a, a challenge or a new assignment has to be very different. Um, uh, but it can be really effective. I mean, they can do some amazing work for us, anybody who's living with anxiety, but you just have to present it perhaps in a little different way. And I think one of the ways you talked about, you were recently interviewed with from uh, Thrive Global from Arianna Huffington, and she, you talked a lot about gratitude there and the link to anxiety. And, and so walk us through a little bit about you know, the research on gratitude. We love gratitude. We wrote a book on leading with gratitude. So how do you teach gratitude to the people you coach? Well, first, I just wanted to say about that other question, you know, it is about delivery and delivery. A lot of people think if we deliver that way, we're coddling and then enabling, but it's not coddling or enabling at all. It's actually allowing a person to feel comfortable and safe in a space to be themselves and actually thrive. It's not about babying a person. It's about meeting them where they are so that they can then grow and blossom. So I just wanted to add that. And then when it goes um, comes to the gratitude, I, I always liken it, and it doesn't matter if it's in the workplace or not. When we are in a dark place or a place that's not serving us or a place that feels lower than our vibration should be, it's very hard to get on the gratitude train. It's easy to talk about it. And then when you're feeling good, it's easy to grab it and say, I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for that. 
that. But when you're not in a good place, it's not easy to. So what I always say to the people who are struggling with anxiety is it's almost like, you know, when you open a bedroom door and the light just starts to crack, there's a crack and the light just starts to come in. You just want to see that one piece of light. So are you grateful for being alive today? Are you grateful that you have 10 toes? Are you grateful that you have nine toes and maybe you don't have 10 toes? It's like finding that one thing that you have have gratitude for. And it could be the smallest thing in the world. I'm grateful to have water next to my bed today so I don't have to go down to the kitchen in the morning and get it and I could take a sip of water because I'm thirsty. And it's not even about feeling the feeling of the gratitude in that moment. It's just about saying the words and keep on saying the words and keep it as a practice. And eventually what happens is your cells, your cells, C-E-L-L-S, not S-E-L-V-E-S, your (laughs) cells start to hear those words. And instead of the words of I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I'm not capable, I can't do this for my boss, I can't do this for my team, what you start to feel is abundance. Because when you realize what we have to be grateful for, which is so much, then you start to open yourself up to new levels of bringing good into your life. And then, you know, you just get on that train that I was talking about. You know, I love, I love that gratitude can lead to abundance. You know, and, and you're right. I, I love what you just said there because, because, oh, you know, just write down the things you're grateful for. Well, when things are going well, you can have a pretty long list. When things are going bad, it's hard to find that one thing. It really is. And, um, and it leads to uh, your work in trauma, which we think is fascinating. You know, and, and you talked about some of the trauma you went through as a kid. And, you know, a lot of the nation has gone through trauma, whether it's fires or, you know, friends down in Texas with the freeze and so on. You talk about um, trauma, the big T and the little T. So can you explain that concept of trauma to, to our listeners and, and how leaders can help individuals that have gone through that trauma, how they then can feel safe coming back to the workplace? Does that make sense? Sort of. I think so. I think I got it. And then you'll tell me if I do. I think the thing about trauma is that, you know, first of all, what my trauma was might not have been trauma to you. And so we all go through different things. So first of all, I think it's realizing that we are actually all connected. And so when we help each other and hold space for each other as leaders, we allow people to really not resist and fight against the trauma, but say, okay, this happened to me, and here's a safe space for me to show up in, and I don't even have to talk about it. It's really just understanding that everyone's been impacted by something in their lives and having compassion for people, rather than what's my bottom line, how much money am I going to make, oh, I have to report this to my boss, so I have to go get this person who has anxiety to start feeling nervous because I have deliverables and I need them to meet theirs so I can meet mine. It's instead saying, listen, we have a, a, a we've, we've, you've been through a lot. This has been a really difficult time. We've all been through a lot. And I'm here to guide you through it. I'm here to support you. I hope you're here to support me too, because you matter that much that I could use your support. And the other thing that I think is really important is when leaders show us that we can have different perspectives so we're all, we've all been in quarantine. Most of us have been in quarantine, right? But that's just really a word. And we could have been told that we are not allowed out of that house or we're not allowed to do this or that. But we don't have, I've never been in quarantine, even though I've told, I'm told I've been in quarantine because I've never felt trapped. 
I've never felt like I can't go out of my house and do anything. I've been allowed to go to the grocery store. I can get in my car and drive. Sure, there are limitations right now because we're trying to protect each other and make sure everyone stays healthy. But it's all about how we hear the words, how we internalize them, and what we do with them. So when we start to feel like we're in quarantine and we're being controlled and the world is changing, that's not going to feel good. But if we start to think, okay, this is a time of reset for the world. It's not a great time right now, but we so we need to give it the space to reset, to recalibrate and to figure things out and during that time, you know what? I'm going to make the most of it. My uh, I have three kids, two are freshmen in college this year. I decided that last year was going to be my year home with my three kids, my two seniors who missed out on their senior year, but I was going to make the most of it and relish every second and soak it up and savor it and I enjoyed it. And if I didn't ha- and if I didn't have the three kids or I, whether I did or didn't, doesn't matter. I also decided to really get working on my new career and my side passions and find things that I love because it's all the lens that we use to look through things. If your news is on all day long and all you're thinking is quarantine and deaths and this and that, you're going to get more of that. That's what you're bringing into your frame of reference. But if you start thinking, okay, this isn't a great situation, but I'm going to make an opportunity out of it. What's that opportunity look like for me? Um, you can create something totally beautiful. And remember, thoughts are things. So they're not real. They become real if we give validity to them. So just because thoughts run through our mind doesn't mean they're true. So the most important thing is to become aware and notice and a witness and observer of your thoughts. And then when you're starting to observe, witness, and be aware of them, you can say to yourself, hey, that thought just ran through my mind. Is that actually a true thought? Do I agree with it? Is that a thought from my old belief system, but now that I'm who I am today, that's no longer my belief system? Is it a thought that was programmed to me? Is it a thought my parents gave me, my boss gave me, my friends gave me? And does it resonate with me? And if the answer is no, let it go and replace it with a new thought that's going to serve you. I see why you're a mindset coach. This is this is terrific, <laughs> Pam. Uh, before, I've got a question for you about, about sort of your... Uh, your, uh, how would I say it? How you did kind of find your way in life and find your true passion. But first off, tell our listeners how they can get a hold of you. Okay, you can find me on my Instagram account at Pam Christian with two N's. And by the way, if you DM me, I will respond to you within 72 hours. If it starts to get crazy, it might be a little longer, but I always respond. Or you can go to my website, thepamchristiangroup.com and find me there. That's awesome. Okay, so not long ago, you had a very lucrative real estate business, um, and and you wanted to make a change. Now, many of us have had similar kind of experiences where we feel a little ennui in the middle of our lives. Many people go through these, but most people don't find their way. So tell us how you found your big why, and then how you are helping others, you know, do the same. Sure. I did have a great career. Not just was it, it wasn't just lucrative, but I had every accolade, all the awards. It was really great. I was a single mom, so I was able to create a schedule that allowed me to show up for my kids and my clients. But I left at the top of my career. There was a point where I was kind of just done, and um, it's I loved my career, so I don't have anything negative to say about it. I am pretty fearless because I think I've experienced the worst of the worst already in life. There's not much worse that can happen, whether it was a trauma when I was a young kid or losing both of my parents within a year, my mom the day before my birthday. You know, it's just been, life hasn't been easy for me, though people see me and think it's easy and I have everything. It's been a lot of pain to um, go through, and so I'm pretty fearless. 
fearless. And um, because I just feel like I've experienced it all already. What, you know, what's trying a new career and it not working out compared to the other stuff I've dealt with. Um, but what happened was I realized I'm not fulfilled and um, I wanted to make some changes. But, you know, my dad at the time, he was really into like I had security. It was going well and I trusted him and um, I believe him and I know he had my best interest at heart. Um, so I kind of like was in my head like we all get. What should I do? What should I do? What should I do? All right. I knew I was going to do this. It was just a matter of when and how was I going to wrap it up. And sometimes this is a process. So you continue working at what you're doing, even if you're not there anymore, um, as you start to explore new avenues. You don't have to make this big shift and be impulsive. So I stayed on for a little longer than my physical body would have liked, though my spiritual or subconscious knew that that's what I needed to do. And then um, my dad went into the hospital and didn't come out um, and he passed away. And I was like, okay, and now I have to be there for my mom and, you know, do all this stuff, but I really still want to leave and I got to figure this out. And then, like I said, my mom passed away. And after she passed away, I was just like, what am I doing? This is done. Like now, you know, the universe gives us signs and I don't think my parents passing was a sign, but it was another way of the universe speaking to me saying, yes, it's time to do something else. So I uh, decided to, not decided to, healed and mourned from my losses and did, uh, what I meant to say is decided to sell my business. I always sell my businesses. Every business you have is worth something. Don't think it's not. It always is. I don't care how much anxiety you have and how much that inner critic says it's not. I promise you we could put something together that I don't care if it's $100 or $100,000 or a million dollars. It's worth something. So um, it's all about packaging it. And so I did that and I sold it. And I didn't have a clue as to what I was doing. Um, next, and I decided I was really going to do some mourning, some grieving, go for walks, be quiet with myself. I've been on the go for a long time, and as you can tell, I have a lot of energy. And so that, for me, was very, very difficult and not an easy place to be. Even though I've been meditating for over 20 years and everything like that and on this journey, um, and... During that time, some realtors asked me to coach them, which I did, and I really enjoyed. And I had this voice speaking to me, um, kind of getting downloads from my higher self, because from meditating for so long, I'm pretty clear, my channels are pretty clear, saying, you know, you need to start serving other people. This is what you need to do. And so the way I'm doing it now is not the way, I don't like being on camera. It's, I mean, this isn't camera, but I'm on camera a lot. My Instagram account has a lot of videos of me. That's not my comfort zone. I'm a total introvert, but it's the vessel in which I am sharing the message and the message is the important part and everything else isn't about me liking it or not liking it. Sometimes we have to do things we don't like to get the things we need to get across. So this is what I've done. This is what I'm doing. I hear it every single day and there are signs and feedback that I am on the right path. I mean, I just had two major athletes ask me to coach them that I just, you know, I'm like, like, okay, yes, sometimes I question, do I want to do this anymore? Do I want to do that? And you get those messages and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to still be here. This is clearly, this is not a whisper that you just got a coaching client. This is like a big scream. Yes, keep going. Um, and so um, I think it's really about the people who are fearful, staying where you are so you feel like you have stability and security. But instead of going home every night and watching Netflix and eating ice cream or doing what that is, finding a little time for that, which we all deserve, but also finding time to explore what it is you like. And the best way to figure out what you like is not necessarily exploring other careers. 
It's exploring yourself. So it's hanging, I did just did a video on this. It's hanging out with your soul. Have you ever hung out with your soul? Not your physical body, not the personality that we show everyone we are, but deep down, the answer probably is no. And the thing is when you start to do that and it takes time, you start to connect with your authentic self, your higher self, and you no longer have those voices that are saying to you, you're not worthy, you're not deserving, or you don't, you shouldn't be doing this, or you're not meant to be powerful, that's for everyone else, because we were all born here to make a difference. We all have something inside of us that is called a light that is meant to shine in the world. And what we've done is we've been born and then we have kind of accumulated all sorts of beliefs about ourselves that make us think that that value system and those voices and those beliefs are the ones because they're allowed. But if you get quiet, the whisper, the whisper, the intuition, the gut, the inner voice is the one that's really meant to guide you. So you have to get quiet with yourself. And hanging out with your soul is awesome because healing is not awesome. Healing is dark. It's painful. It's brutal. But hanging out with your soul is all about self-love. So it's baths and it's meditation and it's journaling and it's reading and it's watching your favorite movie and it's snuggling up with your favorite person. So it's fun. So try giving yourself that because also when we're so busy out there doing things that we feel obligated to do, we're guilted into doing, we feel it's the right thing to do, we're doing it from a place of obligation and resentment, not a place from wanting to. But when you start to hang out with your soul and fill your soul up, your cup is running over and you want to give it to anyone and everyone you can. And then there's the ripple effect and everyone benefits. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, Pam, I mean, you, yeah, listen, I, we, I just love listening to you talk. I'm getting on Instagram as soon as we get <laughs> off here, you know, and I got to tell you, for Thank an you. introvert, you do the extrovert thing really well. <laughs> I mean, you, you really got it down. Hey, uh, you, you talk about fear and, you know, uh, how you've got to, you know, confront that. And fear can be a good thing, right? It can keep you safe. It can get you, it can get you going. It can also paralyze you. So what do you, how do you coach people through when they're in the, the paralyzing phase to get them out of that? Actually, it does um, paralyze most people, and I don't do anything to get them out of that. I give them, that would not be giving my clients enough credit. They do the work. I hold the space. Uh, they are creative, resourceful, and whole on their own, and I just need to ask the questions that allow them to dig deep so that they can get past the fear. And some of those questions would be, What's possible right now? What's possible in this very moment? That's my biggest question. Um, what's happening here? And so sometimes what's happening here is, oh my gosh, I'm feeling moments of when I was a child and my dad told me that I would never amount to anything. And then we'll go in and unpack that a little bit. And we'll talk about what did that feel like? Do you remember like, um, not what your thoughts were, but what that felt like in your body. Could you embody that for me? And then it's the heart beating fast. And whatever those are, are reflective of what they're feeling in that moment with the fear. So the more, then that's what I was saying about the healing. The more we talk about it, the more we do the work of the healing, that's how you move through it. There's no avoiding or bypassing the healing. And so then you get past the fear. But the question, what's possible? What, what would it look like if you took a different lens right now? Let's, let's play with this. Let's take a different lens, a lens other than fear. What could another lens be? And they'll throw out another lens. And I'm like, will you play this game with me? And we'll play the game. And then they'll realize they're sitting in that perspective. And they're no longer sitting in the perspective of fear. So things like that.
That's awesome. Yeah, it kind of leads us to this idea of resilience that we talk about, about oh, we've got a new book coming out, Anxiety at Work, where, where the idea is how you, how you can teach resilience to, to those around you that you're working with. And so give us some ideas as we, as we get near the end here, and we want to learn from your wisdom one last time before we lose you. Um, what are some ways that we can build up a little stronger resilience in ourselves and maybe those around us? You're never losing me, Adrian. Number one, <laughs> which is my favorite ways right now. That's great. Um, resilience is a muscle, just like going to the gym and exercising your quads and your core. It's a muscle you need to exercise. So, if you want to become more resilient, first we need to identify what that means to you. What does the word resilient mean to you, and what would it look like in your world? And let's say it means that when I get fearful, I snap a rubber band against my wrist so that I remind myself to step out of fear. Let's say there, there are lots of things. People have different things that it is for them. So then we set reminders in their phones every day, even when they're not in the mode of not being resilient or they're, you know, they're having a good day because it's all about bringing it into our consciousness. We are on autopilot repeating patterns over and over and over again, and we need to find pattern disruptors. Uh, Joe Dispenza, do you know Dr. Joe Dispenza? He talks about, if you don't, you guys definitely want to follow him. He's amazing. He's on YouTube, Instagram. Um, but he talks about pattern interrupters and changing neuropathways, and that's what we need to do. So I could say, oh, let's build this muscle by, you know, journaling about, you know, the last time you fell down and how you got back up or reliving that and all that stuff's great, but it's more about noticing it in the moment. So what's that thing that's going to bring you out of your kind of like passivity to change it? And the first thing I think is awareness of it. Am I falling into old habits? Did this happen to me like that happened to me two years ago and I'm doing the same thing? I'm not getting back up. I'm letting it knock me down. What could I do to get back up right now? What would be one thing? And it could be having nothing to do with the topic. It could be going for a run. It could be calling a friend. Um, it doesn't have to do with the thing that's actually holding you back. It's just shifting things in your life so it shows up differently each time. It's a muscle that each person has to exercise. And the answer is a little broad right now because it's, it's really individual to each person. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, by the way, thanks for never losing us. That was very reassuring when you said that to Adrian. Hey, um, fascinating conversation. Tell all our listeners again, where can they find more about your work? and Where can they find you? So I have a book coming out in the fall. It's called I Hope You're Having a Great Day. I Know I Am. And it's uh, basically a memoir um, of what I've been through, which has been a lot. Some of it's just garden variety, like your you know, basic divorce or things like that, and other things like trauma and deaths and stuff like that. And at the end of each chapter, I kind of tune into what my my takeaway was. So let's say it was I should have listened to my inner voice. And then I write a bunch about listening to your inner voice. And then I give practical tips and takeaways, regardless of what you're going through, how to tap into your inner voice. So that's my book. Everything else is like, find me on Instagram at Pam Christian or my website and watch it unfold with me because the universe is taking care of me and I'm surrendering to it and we can watch it unfold <laughs> in front of our eyes together. Hey, do you, want, do you want to come back this fall to promote your book? We'd love to have you back. Absolutely. On the I'd love to. That would be awesome. Excellent. Hey, as Thank we you. wrap up, we always ask our guests, if, if you wanted our listeners to remember two or three things, what would those two or three things be? Love yourself. Love each other's, each other. And love life. It's short. Every single thing in front of us at every single moment 
is a choice. Happiness is not a destination. It's a state of mind. Neither is paradise. Sometimes it's hard to get there. I've been in the dark places and I know it, but you can always look externally and try to get it from that, but it all starts with the internal. Work on yourself. Give yourself the love. You deserve it. I think that was longer than you asked for, but... No, that was absolutely perfect. Pam, I just wish you'd grab something, hold on to it. You know, it's like you're so wishy-washy. I love your passion. I love that what you, you know, you, it's so clear what you've come through and you're stronger maybe even because of it. So thank you, Pam, for being so uh, kind and vulnerable with all of our guests today. You've been amazing. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, Chess, that was an amazing interview. Pam is an incredible uh, mindset coach. You can see how she really affects people and, and really gets you to, to challenge the way that you think. Um, and I loved her vulnerability of talking about her early life and, and how so often we are a mirror of, ourself, of ourselves into the world. Yeah, you know, I love the way she said different people manifest it differently. You know, I was very, I was fascinated. I go, hi, yours was be mean to yourself and other people. She goes, yeah, but that's not everybody. And I think that's a great message is how is it impacting you? How, how is it impact? And, you know, how are you reacting to it? I, I'm excited for her book too. I'm having a great day or yeah. are you having a great day? I know mm-hmm. I am, you know, and here's how you can have a great yeah. day. And, and just to wrap that up is that I loved her message to, to leaders to say, look, you've got to understand everybody's got anxiety. You, you start from the premise that everybody's got it and that everybody's going through something. And I think as leaders, if you're managing anybody, that's a great mindset. And if they're not, then great. Just realize that most yeah. people do. Most people do. And you'll become a better manager as you are aware of of that. I mean, like I say, even if, you, even if somebody doesn't and, and they're – they're, they're not feeling even stressed or worry. Uh, you're still going to be a better manager by, as she says, really changing your delivery. I mean, back in the day, even 10 years ago, we would treat everybody the same. Here's the assignment. I need it by Thursday. Now, she says, it's not coddling. You talk, though, about, okay, this is what I'm thinking the assignment is. Um, how are you feeling about it? Uh, you know, do you have time? I'm here to help. You talk about it. It's more of a conversation. You'll be a better manager by doing that, and you're going to get more out of your people by being a little bit more aware of where people are. And, and I agree with you. I think that's so important. You're not coddling people. You're being, you're being aware, you're being sensitive. Because I think sometimes we think, well, I'm going to be the tough manager. You know, I'm going to be the tough boss. The other thing I love when she went to, to, to gratitude, of course, something near and dear to, to our hearts, where she said, look, yeah. it's easy to have gratitude where you're, when you're in a good place. Find that one thing and mm-hmm. that crack in the door. I loved her metaphor. Yeah, and then find that light too. and build on that. And the more you build on the gratitude, it brings you to abundance. I thought that was a great yeah. message. I thought so too. And I, I love that. I wrote that down as well. The crack in the door that lets in light because sometimes you're right. It is very hard to feel gratitude when you are in the hole, when you're depressed, when you're extremely anxious, to even think of something to be grateful. And that's why she's leading her clients to say, give me one thing, <laughs> you know, that yeah. I have 10 toes. Uh, what is it? And so, and so then kind of she moved on to this idea of, of finding yourself maybe midlife. And a lot of the people who are listening – uh, you know, sometimes we get into a career because we're good at it. Uh, and then, you know, I don't want to sell insurance anymore. I don't want to be a teacher anymore. What is it? What's my next journey? 
And she I love this practical advice that we tell people. Keep doing what you're doing while you try somebody else, right? Or while you try something else, while you try some new thing out. Yeah, it doesn't have to be this dramatic shift. Take your time. Listen to yourself. I, I thought her her analogy of the lens that you look through. If you're if you're listening to the news all day and all that mess, you're going to have a messy oh, day. Yeah. You know, it's going to bring it's going to bring you down. What's the lens? You know, we're in a reset. You know, embrace the moment, soak it up. And and the thing I, I loved about Pam was her vulnerability. You know, look, she's been through really tough stuff. And while you never wish that on anybody, we've all gone through tough stuff. It's the lens by which you look at that. How do you deal with it? She also talked about the fact to take time to heal and mourn, which I thought was a wonderful message. You know, you can't just say, oh, I'm just going to be happy. There, there are times when you've got to step back when her dad died, when her mom died and so on. You know, give, your chance, give yourself a chance to mourn and heal. I love that message. I did too. Probably the last thing I would take away is this idea of resilience that, and I hadn't heard this before, that resilience is this muscle that you have to exercise. Um, and so, for example, just one example of resilience is that we have to sort of snap ourselves out of fear sometimes. Like, I just love the, you know, snap a rubber band on your, on your wrist kind of idea that sometimes we kind of say, okay, I'm in a bad mindset right now. What's, what's possible? What is maybe a new way to unpack things or, or to look at things like you mentioned in another lens? That's part of resilience is, is reframing as we talk a lot about. Uh, she talked about these pattern interrupters, which I loved as well. So, so a terrific, really terrific session from, from an amazing mindset coach, right, Chess? Absolutely. Lots of great takeaways. Hey, listen, thank you for your time that you spend with us on the podcast. You know, our mission is to create a safe place, give you some solutions to deal with anxiety and, and wellness in the workplace. A special thanks to our amazing producer, Brent Klein, who's down in Austin, Texas, has gone through that horrible deep freeze. I'm always amazed that Brent figures out a way. He shows up. He makes things happen. To Christy Lawrence, who helps us find these amazing guests. I always say she's the straw that stirs the drink. And of course, to all of you who've listened in and given us your time. Thank you, everybody. Well, if you like this podcast, <laughs> please share it with your friends. Download it. Apparently, that's the nice thing to do is download. It gets recorded. We'd also love to have you join our online community, We Thrive Together. It's wethrivetogether.global. We're creating a safe place to talk about anxiety and mental health at work. So thanks for the time you spent with us. We hope to see you on our community online and that you have a great week. We'll see you next Friday. Take care. Bye.